this episode. She also loved his smell. He became a doctor, she became a nurse, until one day he came home from, from the hospital and he smelled different. Anyway, she was like, who is this guy? And so she starts discreetly going around and kind of sniffing people. As you do. It's a bit weird. <laughs> Everyone sort of could, would imagine and be able to connect to, you know, instantly. The importance of the audience caring about the protagonists. Uh, anomalies, and we just ignore them, and sometimes that's a mistake. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan, And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. Now, we have a story from Mark. Um, I tell you what, podcasts are great sources of stories, aren't they, Mark? I mean... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and mine today is from a podcast. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Yours is from a podcast. So how about yep. we just throw to you, uh, share the story, and we'll have a chat about it. Yeah, great. Yeah. So this is from... I was listening to the Invisibilia podcast, which which is on NPR, National yeah. Public Radio. Great. And so uh, sometimes we bump into things that seem quite strange and it can be really tempting to just dismiss them as anomalies. And sometimes we're right and sometimes we're not. So that this story is about something like that. And uh, there is a a woman, uh, a Scottish woman who lives in, in in the town of Perth in Scotland. And what she's now about 71 years old. When she was at high school, like at the, at the high school dance, she danced with this guy who's a, a swimmer in the swim team who was a year older than her uh, called Les. And she was kind of entranced with him and, you know, how, you know, the way he kind of talked and how sensitive he was and how thoughtful. And she also loved his smell. Uh, he had this male musky smell and she just loved it. And she had a very sensitive sense of smell so that was important and no one was surprised when you know a few years later they got married and you know they had kids and they were, they were like totally in love was, uh, he became a doctor she became a nurse they had three kids and yeah everything was fantastic you know they had life was life was good and you know they spent a lot of time with their kids until one day he came home from from the hospital uh, he's age 31 at this stage and he smelled different so Joy sends him off to the uh, to the shower. Go and have a shower. Um, but the smell didn't go away. Um, so the husband, his name's Les, right? Over time, over the, the in coming uh, months and years, the smell got worse. Anyway, Joy was into him about it. You know, come <laughs> on, dude, you're not washing enough. Right, and right, uh, yeah. uh, uh, and but no matter how much he washed, you know, the smell didn't go away. And so she was kind of nagging him and, and it really became a bit of a problem there because of you know, they were getting a anyway, uh, a bit of tension in the relationship. And after a while, she just went, you know what? I'm just going to shut up about it. I'm not going to mention the anyway. So they, she didn't, but over time she noticed other things start to change. He started having strange dreams at night and, and, and uh, his behavior changed a little bit. Uh, he, he was no longer this quiet, reserved, but funny guy. He kind of, became a, you know, a little bit obnoxious at times. And anyway, she was like, who is this guy? This is not my less. Anyway, age 45, she goes, when he was age 45, she went, that's it. We're off to the neurologist. I'm worried that you've got a brain tumor. And uh, so they go off to the neurologist and the, uh, the diagnosis was that he had Parkinson's. Oh, 
Yeah. And of course, this is a you know a real you know he was very young to be diagnosed, you know, very young diagnosis of Parkinson's and, uh, you know, this future that they'd imagined together kind of disappeared. And so they kind of struggled on working on the, uh, on the Parkinson's and eventually they decided, no, we need help. And they went into the, they drove into the, into the city and they went along to a Parkinson's support group. Um, now they were a bit late on, on the day. So when they walked in, the, the room was already full of people. And Joy walked in and the first thing she noticed was the smell. It was the same smell. Right. And she's like, what? What? You know, like it was, she was confused. She didn't know what the hell's going on here. And at one stage, the carers all, you know, they went into the kitchen and they were preparing food and, and cups of tea and stuff and no smell. Go back into the main room, smell. And like, she's really confused. And so she starts discreetly <laughs> going around and kind of sniffing people. As you so, do. It's a bit weird. <laughs> but she was discreet about it. Yeah. And all the people with Parkinson's had the smell. Some stronger than others, but they all had the smell. And so this meet, meeting's going on and she's sitting there going, you know, trying to figure out in her mind what the hell's going on here. And uh, in the car on the way home, she realized she has to talk to less about it and so, but it's, of course, this is a touchy subject, the old smell thing. Yes. So she sits him down and says, look, I need to talk to you about the smell thing. Oh, no, not this again. And she goes, no, no, no. And he, he went, okay, I'll hear you out. And she told him what had happened. And he, he's a doctor and the penny dropped immediately. And he just went, oh, my goodness. Do you realize what this means? You know, and kind of that moment was the start of this this whole new field of medicine, yeah. which is around diseases having smells and being predictable and detectable. Yes, um, and so like so, it's a good example of how sometimes like these weird the things that just don't seem right, we can just dismiss them, but they are in fact really important signals that we should be paying attention to. And the right. same thing can happen. In yeah, business. yeah, that's amazing. But I want to, I, I want to go on with that because yeah, there's yeah. another what, bit what to this that I think is that? really yeah. that is very important. It's a theme that we've kind of uh, uh, touched on a number of times in the podcast from the stories that we've used uh, about how hard it is to affect change. Because you know, he's a doctor, she's a nurse. They know the medical world, and so they decide they, they have to try and get the medical world's attention. You know, who do we talk to about this? So they did, and it was a lot harder than they thought. And they found uh, a doctor who they thought was the, you know, an appropriate person to be interested in, you know, the detection of disease using smell, but couldn't get his attention. And, and to the extent that they had to go along to a public, uh, he was giving a, a seminar, in a, you know, at a public event yeah. and they went along to, as audience members and during the question time, Joy stood up and told her story and, and like, he still wasn't convinced, but he, he spoke to them and yeah, but it's not a priority for him. It's kind of this, oh yeah, it's just an anomaly. Um, until one uh, months and months later, he was talking to a colleague who'd, you know, who was scoffing at this research that she'd read about dogs being able to smell cancer. And he went, what? And, the penny dropped he made the connection and so he decided to set up this little experiment for joy so he, he got together about 30 people some with parkinson's and some without and he asked them to wear these white t-shirts same you know same white t-shirts um uh, and gathered them together put them in plastic bags oh but he also cut them all in half right so there was a bigger sample 
Right. Yeah. And then he said to Joy, smell them and yeah, we'll, we'll, te- we'll test this. And uh, he was staggered by the results, right? She got every single one right, except for one. Right? So she, you know, he, she correctly identified all the people with Alzheimer's, uh, with Parkinson's and uh, the ones without it, except for one where she had incorrectly said the person had uh, Parkinson's when they didn't. So he's going, well, this is pretty impressive. But of course, it's in his list of research priorities. So it's, you know, until uh, about uh, three or four months later, when he got a, uh, a message from one of the participants in the study. And that participant said, I'm sorry, doctor, but, uh, you know, that study that you did, you're going to have to move me because I was in the non-Parkinson's category and I've just been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And he realized in that moment that Joy could predict Parkinson's and that's when he decided and and now it's this whole field of study and Joy is like she she can detect uh, diabetes leukemia other cancers uh, and it's a whole new field of of, of medical science that came about yeah this shows you how hard it is though to get people to to take notice right yeah and uh, but that's a fantastic story um Kind of just reminds me of one little thing that uh, I heard yesterday. Um, you know that that whole phantom limb um, sort of medical area where you know people lose a limb and they feel that they still have that limb. Yep. The guy who I guess championed that, or maybe he was one of the pioneers, was a, a doctor called V. S. Ramachandran, and he was presenting at a conference. Uh, you know his research findings and. The, um, someone in the audience stood up and sort of said, uh, yes, but Dr. Ramachandran, I mean, this is, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, something that affects a tiny percentage of the population. Um, you know, why don't you be, you know, sort of putting your efforts into something a little bit more, you know, broadly applicable to, you know, to the world. And Ramachandran said, well, imagine you had a pig on a leash sitting up on the table here and the pig just sits down and starts speaking beautiful Shakespeare. <laughs> you think you think you would take notice of that? You're right? going to pay or do you wait to the, the second pig or the third pig does it before you you know really get engaged? And I think that he's almost like the the opposite in the sense that he's he's looking for these anomalies. He's he's yep. he's, he's out there seeking something that's different um, as a way to get insight. Right? That's really what this is about in some ways. It took yeah. that insight some time to actually land and stick um, and sort of shows the persistence of joy in it as well. Let, let's have a chat about the story though, Mark. It's, um, it's got so many elements to it, of course. Um, what, uh, what do we like about it? What, what bits, as you're telling it, what do you like about that story, Mark? The contrasts I, I like, you know, like the, just how, like seriously, how much in love this couple were and how, awesome they were and and everything was going well and yeah and how good everything and 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 it all just turned on a single day yeah i do i like that and there's there's a number of twists and turns in the Mm. story i mean there's the the first of the first twist around actually about a smelling les and and then there's the twist of going into the the support group and you know and then there's the twist of finding out that uh she uh, with the experiment that she can uh, do it accurately. I mean, so it's got like all these little aha moments through the story, yeah. right? 
which I think is fabulous. It's it's also you know like it's it's a very obviously a very human story, right? You know, and that everyone sort of could would imagine and be able to connect to, you know, instantly. I think that's uh, one of the other lovely things um, about it. Yeah, I mean, also it's that you know the theme is both life and death. The early bit about you know how good life is, and then something you know like then there's the the uh, Parkinson's diagnosis. Yes, yes. So that 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 theme through it is, uh, you know, I remember that the other day we were chatting, Mark, about uh, the importance of the audience caring about the protagonists, the caring yep. about what happens. And in some ways we're, we're caring for both Joy and Liz, aren't we, you know, in, yep. in this story. Um, I did, I did uh, see something the other day, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I was watching a, a Hollywood Reporter Roundtable. I don't know if you've ever seen these. They're, they're on video and they'll get, the, say, the top screenwriters at the moment together and they'll talk about something. Anyway, this one screenwriter was um, said he was asked to do a, um, a, a picture on Hitler. And he said, oh, look, I'm not interested in doing a picture on Hitler because I might accidentally humanise Hitler, right? And But then he saw the movie Downfall, which if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's a brutal movie, but it is worth watching. Um, and in that, he saw that you can make, there's a sort of level of not caring, but at the same time, um, you know, sort of seeing just how bad that person was. But there was this really weird um, balance that actually happened in through that movie. Um, so I guess I'm just saying that because, you know, Caring doesn't have to always be a person that we love, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's one of those really complex things. But anyway, for this this story, it's um it's a big part of it. Oh, I agree. I I think that's a really important part about a story is that you you know in some way you need to care about the the, the characters yes. or, or the or, or what's happening. You need to have some 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 interest in or care about the thing for the story to have any impact. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Um, I, I like how there's got lots of dialogue in this story as well. You know, I think, you know, when you do the dialogue, I can see your you know, face light up at that <laughs> moment, you know, like when you're doing the Les dialogue. And, you know, I think that's, that makes stories, it makes people feel like they're right there. You know, they're part of the story in some ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. What, what do you reckon? What would you do to make it even better, that story? Well, um, look, when I, uh, I, I think that, that delivering it, there was a couple of places where I, when I was kind of working on that, on that story where I went, oh, this is a lovely little sequence of three. Uh, and I didn't, do, I didn't deliver it particularly well. So, for example, um, she loved his sense of humour, his passion for life, his smell. Right, right, yeah. Because those, like, those, those little, those yeah, yeah. Uh, those little like things, particularly in threes, uh, yeah, they work really well. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't deliver that in when in the telling. But anyway, that's a way yeah, you could make it even better. Thing. It's kind of just as I practiced that story, I would get better at doing those those little things. Yeah, now obviously that's the full telling of the story, right? But you yeah. know, if you're in a business meeting and you wanted just to get across uh, the idea that hey, it's really important to um, notice the small things, you know, that are out of the ordinary that don't align to how we normally think about things. 
and, and you would tell that story about Joe, but you would tell uh, Joy, sorry, and you'd tell a much shortened version, right? You know, just, uh, you know, there was this woman over in Scotland, you know, who could smell her husband's, the, the disease before it was even diagnosed, blah, 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 you know. So you could do this really, you know, contracted version of it, I think, to still make the point about yeah. noticing it. You would lose yeah. a lot of the, you know, the, the engagement in some ways, right? But you don't always have the time to, to do the longer story. Yeah, so so I'm just thinking about you know what is the like the the the, the thirty second version of that and yeah um, uh, it might be uh, so a, a married couple in Scotland uh, uh, very happy the husband comes home from from work at the hospital he was a doctor uh, he's age thirty one and the first thing he comes home and she noticed the smell his his smells different yeah uh, fourteen years later he's diagnosed with Parkinson's yeah yeah. And then two years after that, they're a Parkinson's support group, and she know, you know, and, yes. and this this realization opened up a whole new field of medicine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you'd you'd need to practice that that kind of thing. Yeah, you need to work on it just to, but... to make sure you get that uh, those aha moments. I suppose. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I guess just focusing and and one of the keys to it is is just to be like, what are the key uh, events in that story what are the key moments in the story so yes yeah. you kind of just assemble those into a little coherent sequence and sequence of related events just you have fewer fewer of them yes yes cool well okay what about um uh what about how we're going to use this where would you use this in a business uh, context mark well this is where i struggled with this story i really like the story right uh, and so I started with the business point about uh, sometimes we can notice weird things, uh, anomalies, and we just ignore them. And sometimes that's a mistake. And, and look, well, I guess we definitely have this tendency to love things that are normal, right? And, yes. and, and, and it's so easy to brush aside these weak signals. Now, in complexity science, of course, weak signals are incredibly important, right? Indeed. And and noticing weak signals is a key way of of, of dealing with uh, complexity. So, but in terms in the context of using it in a business context, uh, I don't know. Maybe you're running a project and and it's 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 exploring something new, and you want people to be aware that things you know they're not they're not going to know all the answers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, I guess it's it's also. Um, you know, a good example of how do you pursue insight, right? And, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking around this um, really based on Gary Klein's uh, three pathways that he talks about to insight. You know, there's, he calls them the, con the uh, connection pathways when you put two things together and, you know, two and two equals five. Um, there's the what he calls the contradiction pathway where, you know, there's something that you're looking at just really is going at a different direction. Um, and then there's the, the, the correction pathway, which is around correcting assumptions, you know, sort of well-held strong assumptions. And I suspect that this story sits, sits in that last bucket, which is kind of like the harder bucket to get your mind around. Um, and, and I think, yeah, I think it's an illustration of that. It's a nice illustration of it. I was listening to um, another podcast where, and I think it was called, um, 
it's like I'm just going to have a go at the guy's name, but it was something, some just remembering something like Siddhar breaks the internet, right? And I'm sure I've just got that wrong, but um, but on the podcast, he was he's an ex, he's a Colombian university um, sociologist professor, and then he joins Facebook. And oh, by the way, and his his research is all around gangs and prostitution and you know like the the, the underbelly of life, if you like, and he joins Facebook to help work, help them with, you know, how to reduce bad behavior on Facebook. But one of the things he was saying, Mark, was that uh, they would be looking at bad behavior happening on Facebook and they go, oh, well, is that bad behavior? Oh, maybe it's not. Is that bad behavior? No, maybe it's not. And that's, no, no, that's not quite bad behavior. Anyway, after sort of almost like categorizing a whole bunch of things as not bad behavior, they kind of just disappears to them. Right. Yep. So now it's just gone into the ether, if you like, of they don't notice it anymore. And something else, it yeah, has yeah. to be even bigger before, you know, someone notices something. So and that's kind of this, that this tendency that we have. Yeah. Right? We take something that happens and we, we, we go, oh, we need to fit it into a category. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you, you can then you can have this category of things that are disconnected from the context in which they occur. And you can just go, oh, no, that's OK. And, and, and you miss the fact that there is all this bad behavior going on. But because you can look at this thing as a category, oh, yeah, individually, not too bad. But and you miss the big picture, which is, holy smoke, the Internet is a place that's rife with with horrible behavior. Yeah. Um, and and then- by the way, you are super close. It's stood here. Sudhir, right, very good. Sudhir breaks the internet. It's yeah. worthwhile listening to. It's a short, a short series, I think about four or six episodes or something. One of the things I would say is, you know, sometimes you can't see, it's impossible for you to see these things. It's like unconscious bias, right? It's impossible to see. You need someone else to come out in, into your group, you know, and, and sort of go, oh, did you notice this? Like everything is just sliding past your cells. Sometimes you need the amateur. And that's why Joy was a, a great, you know, sort of input here because she was the amateur coming into the medical or semi-amateur. She was a nurse, right? Um, but uh, you, to get that perspective, to get a new view on something, you know, I mean, obviously she had a great capability as well. So she oh, yeah. Had yeah, really little, highly little sensitive smell, right? She could mm. have been make, making perfumes for her life, you know. It's that type of, you know, really sensitive smell you need. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting though that she couldn't because she couldn't stand walking past uh, uh, like like the scented candle shops and stuff because it was too overpowering. So uh, so you know so might have been too much for her. <laughs> might have been too much for her. Like ah, overwhelming. But it, it's it often we can have this. Um, we we wait till it's so obvious that it's like being smacked in the face with a with a with a herring. Yes, um, and that's too late you know like we need to be more aware of these things that happen early on pay attention to the anomalies anomalies maybe they are going to reveal something really important and be aware of our tendency to just dismiss that because it doesn't fit in our existing set of categories yeah yeah absolutely and so in the world in the world of you know creativity and and you know when things are moving very rapidly then you do need to be aware of the weak signals yep yep and i think you have to set time aside to start thinking about it. Okay, let's Ooh. give this a let's give this a, a rating. 
um, you told it. I'll give you a rating. I think this is an eight for me. I think it's a great story. I'm, I want to tell this story. I want to get out there and um, uh, get people thinking about weeks. And it certainly fits into the, the work that we're doing on data storytelling because the data, whole data storytelling approach that we've developed is based on first find the insight, right? You don't have a story to tell unless you have an insight. And, oh, nice. And this is a, this is a, um, just one of those, another, you know, story you could tell to just get people thinking about the different types of insights you can get and where they come from and generate, it would generate lots of interesting conversation, I think. Yeah. How about you? What do you reckon? Well, look, I, I, up until you said that, I was going to give it a five. And it's not that I don't really like the story. I really do like the story. It's simply about usability. Ah, I, I'm, right. I'm kind of thinking, how can I use this story? And for me, it's the combination of having a good story, but it's also a very useful story that I would reuse. Yeah. And and even though I, I would, well, I I have actually told I told that story last night to somebody uh, oh, yeah. because it's just an interesting thing. Uh, but how did it business, go when you told it? Like, oh yeah, they they going, oh you know, like that was like that was that was so interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They were really interested by it, so it's a really good conversational piece. But my concern is business application of it. Yeah. And so you've just given a business application in, in the data storytelling, you know, in, in, in our data storytelling programs. That totally makes sense. So I'm going to increase it to a six. I hope that over time I can find uses for that story because um, it's, it is a, a cool story. It's a cracker. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. How, how do I move it from the uh, from the from the uh, dinner the, the uh, a dinner party to the boardroom? Oh, that's the question. that's right. That's your that's your uh, challenge. Okay, that's fantastic. Right. Anything else we need to share with our listeners before we um, wrap up, Mark? Oh, I think we're we're good to go on this. Good week's to episode. go. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to Anecdotally Speaking, and of course, tune in next week for another episode of How to Put Your Stories to Work. Bye for now. Anecdotally speaking, was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.